have a New Year's resolution this year? To go to Mexico. You resolve to go on vacation? Yeah. Okay. And that's to get married. Good. Okay, that's a good resolution. Yeah, those are my resolutions for the year. Huh. I feel like they're achievable. Hopefully. Yeah. What about you? Do you do, you do resolutions? I think this year my resolution is uh, a demand. What? Like, I think you all, the world, you get better. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Oh, I don't think you understand how resolutions work. I don't think everyone else does because everything <laughs> is still shitty. It should be better. You've had so many years to resolve to be better and yet still junk. <laughs> so the world should resolve to be better. Be so nicer your resolution is that everyone else needs to be better at resolutions. Just be nicer to me. Okay. <laughs> this is my resolution. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, it's a big ask, but we'll see. Well, let's get into it and welcome everyone to, I think, the last episode of I Love This, You Should Too, for the year 2021. And what a year it was. Yes. It ranged all the way from infuriating garbage to numbingly boring garbage whoa all types of garbage but it's gonna all change because you're all resolving to be better you force resolving people (laughs) to be better i assume our audience they're not the ones that need to be better it's those other ones it's true because if you stuck around this long you probably don't hate us yeah i hope not i hope you're not hate listening to our podcast oh that would be so unpleasant yeah it would. it's not even like a fun thing to hate because no. it's not like we do anything uh, funny <laughs> i like think a hallmark funny. movie oh well thank you as long as you do yeah hallmark movies are kind of fun to like watch and make fun of this yeah. less so this is yeah you're right we're not quite as like fun to hate watch Although, who knows? Who knows? Let us know if you uh, listen to us out of hatred. Actually, maybe don't. I think that would bug me I don't want to know. In happy news, happy six-month Alberta Podcast Network anniversary. Oh, cool. And like Samantha mentioned, we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. True. It doesn't seem like we've been doing this for six months with them, but that's great. We like our Alberta Podcast Network home. And the sponsorship they bring, including the Edmonton Community Foundation. Oh, tell me about Did that. Did you like that? Wasn't yeah, that a good that segue? that was a really good segue. You're like a professional now. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Well, the foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create strong, vibrant communities for generations to come. And you can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. So if you'd like to learn more about how you yourself can create an endowment fund, you can visit ecfoundation.org. That's the Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Hmm. And we we plug this all the time, but we still have yet to have any of our listeners start an endowment fund specifically for... I love um, this, you should too. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say mediocre podcasters, but no. <laughs> specifically just, for us would be I don't better. want anyone else to get that money. That's true. There are a lot of mediocre podcasts There's a lot of like there. way worse podcasts than ours. True. Yeah. We tend to be like top of the mid-range. 
for podcasts. How do you mean tend? We tend to be there. We are. In your mind. In my mind. Okay. You know what? I agree with you. <laughs> okay. We're at the top of the mediocre podcast. We are a high-end, medium podcast. You know what? Yeah. I'm actually going to agree with that. Yeah. Because we at least edit out our uncomfortable silences, which some people do not, and oh that bothers me. It's like 30 seconds of, uh, let me just find that note. Yeah, you don't need to... Uh, just hang on, I'm just typing. You know? That's why it's not a live show. You don't, you can just We're cut just that gonna out. I'm just going to return this text really quickly. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about it. She's doing a lot of mime work over here. I am. I'm really busy. <laughs> I don't know why that involves both of your arms being above your head. But... Busy? Here we are. Okay. Yeah, no, because, like, when I'm busy, sometimes I feel like I'm just, like, running around with my arms above my head. I think you're doing your job wrong. Most of your work, I think, involves uh, typing. Yes. Hmm. Let's get into it. For those of you who may not have heard our podcast before, this is a pre-episode. So Indy and I are going to review some spoiler-free things that we've been into this week. And then uh, Indy's going to reveal what movie we'll be discussing next week. And uh, we may watch a trailer. We may discuss some interesting points about it. And then we'll watch it and we'll meet you back here next week. So Indy... Yeah. <laughs> uh Indy, what are you into this week? What's your thing of the week? My thing of the week is the Netflix original animated series, Dogs in Space. Yep, I agree. <laughs> you agree that that's my thing of the week? Yeah. That it's deserving to be a thing yes, of the week. Yes, that it is deserving of this prestigious spot. So Samantha has watched, I think, two or maybe three episodes with me. Yeah, like three. Sam often jokes that I am a different person at night and I have a whole secret life. Yeah, nighttime indie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? No. But I kind of get where she's coming from because I watched this movie, uh, this show, very late at night and had a very different impression. So originally I watched it usually between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. Yeah. For, uh, for a week or so because the episodes are very short and there's just one season out thus far. And I thought, oh, no, this is like this really deep philosophical show that gets into conundrums of morality and it, it's very clever and then you saw an episode and you're like this is a children's show and i was like <laughs> yeah. no no yeah. and then i was like oh it totally is and it is targeted at kids uh six and up apparently yeah like six to twelve <laughs> is yeah. their age group <laughs> um Nonetheless, I think it is very good because it is funny and cute on a kid level. It's adorable. But I contend there are heavier lessons to be had in this television show. And it can appeal in two different ways. And if mm -hmm. you like one more than the other, that's cool. But the premise of the show, it's animated. And it's in the future. And dogs have been... Um, genetically modified to be super intelligent mm -hmm. well not like super intelligent but like like people talking walking they can talk uh they have opposable thumbs taking care of themselves they, yeah so they're they're like people essentially but they still maintain an innate dogness to them yes which i like they don't make them just people who look like dogs they are dogs but they have the intelligence of people and they have been sent out into space on the behalf of humanity, because uh, humanity has ruined Earth. And they're like, well, we're going to send the dogs out there, and then you guys can uh, find us a new home. Yeah. So their mission, in a kind of a Star Trek-y type way, is to explore the galaxy and find a suitable home for humanity. 
but they have along the way kind of become lost so they don't have that contact with humanity but they're still trying to fulfill this mission before mm-hmm. going back to earth and bringing all the humans back yeah and they are adorable and they have the cutest names yes so uh the cast of characters is captain garbage played by hilly joel osment he's the corgi he's the captain he's very impulsive but determined you have sarah chalk as stella and stella's a sheltie and she's the sensible no nonsense no nonsense tactical officer i think sarah chalk you like right yeah she's in Grey's anatomy I always knew her from, uh, I think she replaced the character on Roseanne way back when. She was like the new daughter when they changed characters halfway through. Oh. And then she was on Scrubs. And oh, I think yes. she's a Canadian as Scrubs. well. Scrubs. She wasn't on Grey's Anatomy. She was on Scrubs. And uh, Kimiko Glenn plays Nomi, who is a Shih Tzu. And she does that thing that a lot of cartoons and movies do where you're the cutest character, but you're also like the toughest and most violent. Yeah. And it works. I think Nomi is my favorite. Chris Parnell is Ed, a Jack Russell Terrier who is the ship's ambassador, but is mostly just a thief above all else. Mm -hmm. And Chris Parnell finally isn't playing a uh, like straight up loser like he always <laughs> does he kind of gets cast in that a lot so it's weird to see him be like an antagonist to people yeah that's funny david lopez who i'm not familiar with who that is but he plays chonies chonies is a chihuahua who is a uh, very nervous and very cute and william jackson harper who we know from the good place mm-hmm. he plays chidi in that and he's very good he plays loaf uh, a very nervous bulldog who was just kind of worried That's about everything perfect. all the time. That's perfect for him. And Deborah Wilson plays Kira, who is a kind of like a, an angry husky, but she has reason to be angry. Because in the show, she's only introduced kind of halfway through. And they find her character on a planet And they were under the pressure that they were the first dogs sent into space. And then this other dog says, like, no, they sent me out here. And then I got lost and they never came to find me. (laughs) Which is super sad. And that's why she's so bitter. And she then introduces this idea of, like, why are we doing all this for humanity? What are they doing for us? We're disposable to them. Right. And they bring up the idea of... The thin line, now that sentience is involved, between companion and slave. Oh. Right? Because, like, if you have the intelligence of a human, but you're just still doing everything for them Mm -hmm. for no reason other than some sort of allegiance, I guess they could leave if they wanted to. And that's what Kira was trying to do, trying to get them to leave and free themselves and look for a planet for dogs, not for humanity. Yeah, dog planet. That'd be fun. Oh, I'd go there on vacation. Yeah. Unless they're all bitter and hate humanity now. Okay, then I don't want to go there on vacation. Who knows? Who knows what it would be like. But some of these fun kind of philosophical things they get into are, for instance, on one episode, they find a planet and the planet is inhabited by just one single being. And all this being wants to do is travel the Earth, but they have no means, or travel the universe, but they have no means to do it. They are stuck on that planet and they're very, very lonely. And this planet would also suit humanity fine so then they think like well you take our ship you can go travel and we'll take your planet and that seems like a a very fair trade but then they get into this ethical dilemma of like 
are we in the business of taking the homes away from others? Do we have oh. any right to to this land? This is not ours. Sure, he's saying it now in this trade, but we're not looking into the future and we're we're taking the home from someone else. Yeah. So they get into that. I really enjoyed this one episode where they go to a planet where the aliens there all they want is to make others happy. And they are able to uh kind of change reality to make other people happy so they uh, mimic the humans Mm. they give the dogs everything they want they give them all the treats they could ever want the best places to play and all they feed off of is the happiness of others Hmm. so it's theoretically like a perfect symbiotic relationship yeah because they're trying to make you happy and through that they're happy yeah so seems great but then it is also fake oh right So if you could, say, put on a helmet where you could see your wildest dreams and it would trigger the release of, like, serotonin in Uh your brain and you would feel like all those things were actually happening, would it be as good? Hmm. Because you inherently know it's not real. Yeah, because I'm not going and doing those things. But in your mind you are. Seeing them. No, but, like, you can feel like you are. Oh, okay. Um, no, because it's simulated. But what's the difference? <laughs> this is too philosophical for See, me. <laughs> like, I think the show has good stuff in it. Yeah, I definitely think it's one of those ones that could appeal to adults or kids. The then on one episode that you watched, because I thought you would really like it, they, for whatever reason, get transformed into younger versions of themselves. And uh, the only big thing of this episode is they act like naughty puppies and they're just causing trouble. <laughs> That's puppies. the whole thing. It was the cutest episode of anything. They they even have like a new title sequence called Puppies in Space yeah. and they're just off they're just being puppies. They're it up on the spaceship. But yeah. they're a combination of what a naughty puppy would do with what like a naughty five-year-old human would do. Yeah. So they, yeah, nothing deep about that one. It was just really fun and really cute. Funny. I did like that one. I was happy you showed me that one. I want to go watch that again right now. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're looking for a show that you can just put on and it's cute and funny, I think this is great for that. If you want to stay up too late and explore the moral conundrums of space travel and colonization, you can do that as well. So it's called Dogs in Space. It's on Netflix. They have one season out right now. And the episodes are short, like I think less than 20 minutes even. Oh. They're real quick, so you can get through it nice and fast if that's what you're into. And hopefully there will be a second season coming soon. I want it because I want more puppy babies. Well, Samantha, what is your thing of the week? So I am finishing the year with... 99 books read and so this is one of the books i read this year uh it's called come fly the world the jet age story of the women of pan am and so i didn't know a lot about the airline pan am but uh they did a whole bunch of like humanitarian work as well as flying in and out of war zones which I did not know. So um, this book deals with the glamour, danger, and liberation in a Mad Men era of commercial flight. The Pan Am World Airways attracted the kind of young woman who wanted out and wanted up. Oh, 
Yeah, so these women were extremely educated for the time. Um, they had to have a college degree, speak two language, two languages, and possess the political savvy of a foreign service officer and still be able to serve food and drinks and cook on the flight and be able to do all that like customer service stuff as well. So these women were so highly trained. Um, this book is set between 1966 and 1975, and uh, you had to be under the age of 26, and you couldn't work once you were married. Wow. Yeah. There are still very strict guidelines for people becoming flight attendants. Yes. I think it, it it matters greatly where you are, but yes. I knew some friends attempting to do that in Korea, and there were so many physical things that they were just measuring, like, nope, too short, sorry. Yeah. And you're just out. And I, I guess it makes sense because they have to reach that top, uh, yes. top bin very Yeah, soon. and you can't be too tall for, like, safety reasons. You're so tall, it's unsafe. But, it, like, you're easier to hit your head on things yeah. if there was turbulence. Poor Sarah, plain and tall. She'd never <laughs> be one. Too plain, too tall, too Sarah. So the author tells the real-life stories of flight attendants who worked for Pan Am and did all of these crazy things. Um, there was commercial flights and also rescue flights during the Vietnam War, flying in from Saigon to Hong Kong. Um, there were people, there were, uh, like refugee flights where they rescued children and they just had like a plane full of children that was like three times overloaded. Um, there was many stories about, uh, like racism and, um, also the like unfair practice of having to quit once you got married. Um, and, uh, also just lots of like fun young women in foreign countries kind of stories oh like what um just like going out dancing or meeting people and being able to speak like foreign languages that uh people at home have like probably never even heard of in the 60s so they uh they seem to have had a lot of fun um and uh i really enjoyed it because it was part like technical manual for being a flight attendant with Pan Am and part of it was like very real very like heartfelt stories of things that they did yeah, so you get a good combination of yeah the two. does it go into the uh like ultimate decline of Pan Am um a little bit I there was it kind of doesn't go through the like the full closing down of Pan Am but it does kind of talk about how uh, when Pan Am started, it was, like, the beginning of people being able to fly, like, recreationally and not and not have to uh, only fly for, like, the army or for, like, work or to get to another continent. You could take, like, flights across the U.S. And so there was this, like, glamour to it. And then as flying became more normal like more normalized within um the economy and everything then it became less special and the push was more for like budget airlines and there was less room for glamour and like attractive flight attendants yeah that's why everyone now just wears uh 
like sweatpants and a bathrobe on flight. Yeah. You used to wear a shirt and tie. It was like a full suit. Yeah. But then again, you'd get a full meal there too and have exactly. room. Yeah. They talk about um, the bar that was upstairs on the Pan yeah. Am planes. They talk about how stewardesses would make like, like hanger steak for 150 people in their galley kitchens. Like just incredible the things that they were able to do on these planes. Anytime I see pictures of flights from that time, it just looks so luxurious compared mm-hmm. to the the flights that we are on now. Because you could like get out of your seat and there was like, like let's go to the lounge. Yeah, like lounge <laughs> seating with like banquettes and like you could just like relax and read your newspaper without having to be strapped in on the plane. That sounds amazing and dangerous, but amazing. <laughs> So if you like a nonfiction book with lots of really great background stories and kind of behind the scenes looks, uh, check out Come Fly the World, the Jet Aids story of the women of Pan Am by Julia Cook. It's recent, so it was published um, March 2nd, 2021. And it should be, yeah, it should be available everywhere you get books. And for the Edmontonian listeners, it's available at the library, I'm guessing? Yes, it is. I listened to it on Libby. That was going to be my next question. So it was another listen for you. How was the narration in this one? It's really good. Good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, It's a good narrator, which, you know, I've talked about before. Mm -hmm. I care deeply about that. Yeah, because you're pretty much exclusively on audiobooks right yes i did not read an actual physical book this year <laughs> but 99 audiobooks. 99 so you're you are an authority on audiobook narration so if this one if samantha says this one's good <laughs> is this one's good well it's actually when we're recording this december 16th and i'm at 99 now so oh, i may break time. 100 we'll see um but yeah so check it out it was really good listen. It was a little longer than some of the other books that I've listened to, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. So you can check out Come Fly the World in regular paper book form, ebook, or audiobook if you're a cool exam. I'm very cool. Okay. Well, we talked about how we've been with the Alberta Podcast Network for six months, and our second sponsor is Taproot Edmonton. So this episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. They publish a weekly roundup on a variety of topics, including food, tech, health innovation, arts, regional news, and business, all located in Edmonton. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member, and then you can get as many different files as you want, plus other perks are just $10 a month or $100 a year. So if you want to join up or sign up for some free news, you can get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. Okay, Indy, it's time Mm -hmm. for the first non-Christmas movie in four weeks. What are we going to be watching next week? Well, I'm going away from Christmas, but I am keeping it cold and wintry. Seems appropriate. Do you have a favorite vampire movie? No. What are some vampire movies you've seen? Like Twilight. Okay. Interview with the vampire. All right. So you're used to a world of uh, romantic vampires. Yes. 
And there is that association for whatever reason. Vampires are romantic leads a lot of the time, but you don't see like a, a mummy romantic lead. Mm-mm. I was going to say you don't see a swamp creature romantic lead, but then Shape of Water essentially was that. Yeah. But vampires, for whatever reason, are kind of um, glamorous and romantic in a lot of ways. Yes. Do you ever hear about how um, the American box office flips between zombie movies and vampire movies based on if it's a Democrat or a Republican in office? No. There is a correlation there. I'm not going to argue there's any sort of causation, but uh, when there are Republicans in office and they have power... Zombie movies tend to be more popular, and the thinking behind it is is the more um, liberal side thinks that right-wing people are just like this horde of unthinking monsters that just goes and consumes and doesn't think about things. Uh, Conversely, when a Democrat is in power, vampire movies tend to do better, and the thinking is that the right thinks that the left are all these european elites that are glamorous and foreign right because vampires are often not depicted as american right that has nothing not much to do with what we were talking about but i just wanted to gauge where your vampire knowledge is you've never seen like lost boys no nosferatu that might be my favorite. Also, the uh, Herzog Klaus Kinski remake in that came many, many years later is very good too. Hmm. But one of my favorite modern vampire movies is a Swedish film that is translated as "Let the Right One In," hmm. and that is what we're going to be watching for next week. Is it going to be really scary? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. So this, uh, like a lot of the movies I bring, maybe isn't the example of uh, what a typical vampire movie is. Right. It is a little different in a lot of ways. It's based on a novel that came out in 2004 by John Lindquist. Okay. And I just finished reading the novel. I'd seen the movie when it came out in 2008, and I loved it. I might have even seen it when I was living in Scandinavia. Oh. I can't remember. But the look of this movie really reminds me of going to school there because it takes place in a Swedish suburb and it's wintry and dark and the suburbs are these kind of low-rise apartment buildings and it looked a lot like my dorms in Norway did. Oh, cool. Also looks a lot like our kind of condo area. Because it's those like four story low rise -rise, apartments with little courtyards in the middle. Oh, neat. So, uh, some parts of it might look a little like like where we lived. Cool. And it takes place in the suburb called uh, Blackerberg in the early 1980s. I think it's around like 82, 83. I don't know if it actually specifically ever says, but Mm. you can tell by just looking at people Mm -hmm. that it is definitely in the early 80s. That's funny. It's such a like visible time frame. Yeah. This is another thing we were talking about is how colors have a time. Yeah. Like if I have an orange shirt, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's from like 1976. Yeah. It's so strange that colors go in and out of fashion, but like, they absolutely do. Well, wait, what were we talking about? We're talking about <laughs> the movie Let the Right One In. Not to be confused with the American remake called Let Me In. Which came out, I believe, in 2010. So that's not the movie we are doing. We're watching the Swedish original. The American one, like, usually it's like, well, they just, like, ruin it and they take away all the subtlety. 
I think it's quite good, actually. Oh. But I think it's kind of unnecessary because right. how similar it mm-hmm. was in a lot of ways. So it's just like, why? I guess because you don't need subtitles then. Maybe True. That's why. But you could dub it. If you, like, really need yeah. to. But it's not going to do well in, in a theater in True. the U.S. as a dub True. or subtitled. Uh, this movie did quite well for a smallish, well, I guess a big Swedish movie, but a small, small movie overall. It had a budget of around $4.5 and got a return at about $11.5 So it's oh, a profitable movie. Did good. well. And for a kind of sad, stark sometimes brutal, sometimes romantic Swedish vampire movie that took place in the 80s. If it's getting any international traction, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Because vampire movies are a like historically campy genre. Yeah. There's not a lot of serious movies. And this is, and I'm warning you now because... You like to know what you're getting into, and I do. you've had some light ones recently. Yes. This is a serious movie. Oh. And I hate that uh, seriousness is often conflated with pretentiousness. Like, if mm-hmm. you take something serious, you're you're taking things too seriously. And I like movies that take their subject matter seriously, o- occasionally, not all the time. But I think there's a good distinction between what happens in, like, a DC movie, where it's not... It's. I do think those are too serious for their subject matter. For what they are, yeah. They're just like, we're gritty. Because look how blue and gray everything yeah. is. And I always find it silly that like you're taking it real serious about this superhuman alien from another sun and a man dressed like a bat. But it's so, so serious. Yeah. And that is the case with this movie. But... There is something about this movie that makes the idea of a vampire being taken very seriously that I definitely do appreciate. And I think that comes with all the contextualization of this movie, that it's not the story of a vampire. Mm -hmm. It's mostly the story of a young boy who is bullied mercilessly and then uh, befriends this mysterious stranger. Oh, okay. And like many vampire movies, there is romance to it. Hmm. But more than it being romantic, it is kind of like the title suggests about who you let into your life and what effects that has. Hmm. The consequences, the benefits. And of course, that title also gets into vampire lore. Because do you know about the one about you can't go, a vampire can't go in somewhere that they're not invited. Yes. So that is a big part of this movie, and I think it's no coincidence that it's also about letting people into your lives mm-hmm. and what that uh, what effects that has. Yeah, that's that's a very deep movie for a vampire movie, and I'm very interested in this. Yeah, I think it's about being an outsider and how one changes that more than the romance, but the romance I think is there. So bad news for you, maybe Mm -hmm. not for everyone. It is subtitled. It's in Swedish. Okay. It is a longer movie. It's under two hours, but it's still longer. Right. I haven't seen it probably since it came out. Oh, really? So I really liked it at the time. I think I will still because I just finished the novel and I loved the novel And it brought back a lot of memories from the movie. So I think the movie is still going to hold up. But we'll see because making a movie with 12-year-old leads about vampires 
could go wrong quite easily. True. Very true. Well, I'm excited because often you will have reviewed the material before bringing it to me. And so I'm interested to know if you still love it. This is a classic Sam move of, I liked this when it came out. We'll see if I like it now. <laughs> yeah. I've done it a few times, but I usually tend to be like, yep, still good. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I often end up liking it more than I thought I yes, did. Yes, yeah. So maybe that will be the case. And if you are someone who does not want to watch horror movies, I don't think this is a horror movie. Hmm. I definitely think there are horror elements and scary things. But it's not designed in the way like horror movies are of, oh, what's around that corner? It's going to be something scary. Right. There are things that are scary in it because it is a vampire movie. There is um, some violence. There is blood. There is killing. So it has those horror elements, but it's not designed as a horror movie. It doesn't have that same kind of suspense and then jump and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And for you who are not into seeing any sort of violence on screen... It's one of those movies where if you actually look at what the violent scenes are in this, it's far less than the majority of any sort of action movie that comes out today. But because it is a very realist movie, Mm -hmm. little bits of violence are much more affecting. Right. Like how you were saying, there's so much in Game of Thrones, it doesn't really have any effect on you anymore. But then you watch Blade Runner and someone's fingers get stomped on, and that is much more visceral. Yes, because you kind of get desensitized to it if it's all the time. Yes. And Game of Thrones, for example, was very brutal pretty much all the time. So this uh, is definitely in the latter camp. There is not much there, and most of the things that do happen happen off screen. But when you do see something, this movie is is so... um, is brutal in those ways. You don't see much, but when you do, it's more affecting than in a movie that were more over the top. Right. Okay. Yeah. So my pitch for you out there who are like, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. You tell me if you like these things in a movie. It's kind of stark and realistic, but then it has some sweetness and a lot of pain underneath because Mm. it is about a uh, bullied child. And that is kind of the central idea about a lot of it. And how people can find those connections in life and all the good and bad that comes with making those connections with another person. Whoa, whoa. Oh, that was a good little synopsis, actually. I'm actually very excited to watch this Maybe that's not what it's about. It might just be a straight-up vampire movie. (laughs) It's been a while. Okay, well, I'm excited to watch this movie. So we're not going to watch a trailer because the trailers are... Pretty much just all music and sounds, They're and then word a few free. <laughs> yeah, and then a few words in Swedish. And since the majority of our audience does not speak Swedish, and this is an audio podcast, there isn't much point to it. I'll put one in the show notes. Okay. Though. Do oh, you should... speak Swedish? Kind of. Oh, okay. My I used to speak Norwegian. Right. I haven't used it much. And Swedish and Norwegian are mutually intelligible. So when I went to Sweden, I could understand things. Okay. And they could understand me, but I already had, like, broken Norwegian. But, like, I could get things across. Oh, okay, cool. So, like, a lot of foreign films, it's not that widely available. If you are in Edmonton, you can definitely get it at the library. Mm -hmm. Other people can probably do that as well. It's also available on the app Hoopla, which is Hmm. a free service that you get access to with a library card. So you can stream it for free that way. Uh, Depending on where you are, you might have access to it through Hulu as well. 
And it might even be on Tubi, which is another free app. Ooh. I'm not sure about that. Or if you know me, you can just borrow my copy. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm excited to watch this movie. And I'm excited to hear if you still love it next week. I think I probably will. Yeah, I think that too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't been wrong No, yet. you are more right than I am. <laughs> I want that to be cut out and just played at any point in our lives. I am more right than you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we will see you next week when Indy and I discuss Let the Right One In, a vampire movie from Sweden. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>